And the real challenge for the, the companies and the agencies that are being asked to produce these is how to keep their the end audience engaged in the virtual environment. And a lot of the ways you do that is to heighten the broadcast experience. Welcome to No More Bad Events, the podcast for professional event organizers and anyone who wants to take their events to the next level. Each week, we'll hear from the best in the business and get an inside look at what goes on behind the scenes at the world's most perfectly executed conferences, meetings, and more. Together, we'll learn the secrets and strategies to help us reach one big goal. No more bad events. Our show is brought to you by eSpeakers, and I'm your host, Scott Bloom. Let's get started. Today's show is sponsored by Impact 11, formerly known as Three Ring Circus, the best and most diverse and inclusive community built for training and developing professional speakers. They're not just elevating an industry we know and love. They work with hundreds of speakers to launch or scale their speaking businesses, earning tens of millions in speaking fees, landing bureau representation, securing book deals, and rising to the top of the field. If you're looking to take your speaking career to the next level, they'll help you make a bigger impact faster. To learn more and schedule a free intro call, visit impact11.com. That's impact, E-L-E-V-E-N.com. No More Bad Events is produced and presented by eSpeakers, who believes in the magic that happens when the perfect presenter gets in front of your audience and moves them. The eSpeakers Marketplace helps you find, connect with, and hire from the deepest catalog of experts who speak on the planet. The platform makes it easy to find, contract, and pay the expert who will ignite your audience to accomplish your meeting goals and exit to a standing ovation. For more information, visit eSpeakers.com forward slash no more bad events. That's eSpeakers.com forward slash no more bad events. After 20 years of globetrotting around the in-person event track, Mark Herring, president of Signature Production Group Southeast, is settling down in Atlanta to produce virtual and hybrid events for even bigger worldwide audiences. And from Mark's perspective, this is a great way to go. Pummeled by the pandemic, Mark tells about his pivot back to something better. That is, his association with a rather unique broadcast studio. A studio specifically designed and outfitted to produce nothing but the best digital events. You'll hear all about that. You'll also hear about why Mark believes that the rush back to live may only be a honeymoon phase, and why virtual and hybrid will remain relevant, especially when they're executed from a studio like Mark's. He'll also share good stories about quietly curating a virtual show from a live show that's specific to the at-home audience, and about not so quietly using a smaller live audience to help make the digital experience explosive, entertaining, and engaging to many. Using television shows like Friends and SNL as analogies along the way, this is a really good interview. So let's get going. 
I know you're, you know, you've been in the business 20 years, a technical director over the, you know, the last few years, I guess you, I mean, give me your background in terms of uh, what you've been doing and then how you got into doing virtual and hybrid. Um, so what I've been doing for most of my life, uh, production, live event production, um, I started doing um, as a technical director about uh, 20 uh, almost 25 years ago now, um, on my own, after I left, uh, a large mega church in Chicago, I started doing technical direction and I've been doing live events all over the world. Many, many times, um, many places in the United States. And, uh, when the pandemic hit, uh, everything came to a screeching halt. My last show was in March in Boston. And, uh, everything canceled after that. And it was a pretty stressful time for everybody. For everybody. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Everybody was uh, freaking out in the industry as well as, you know, around the world. So I quickly pivoted to doing some large scale, uh, very high end virtual events, um, XR, um, VR stuff where, some of these big fortune 50 companies wanted to continue doing their large events, but they needed it to be very, very cool and high tech. And so, you know, the XR was, is uh, extended reality, um, you know, led stages and creating these, you know, incredible backgrounds that are environments that people are speaking out of. Um, that was a pretty short lived honeymoon though, because it's so expensive to produce and that was when we really saw a big pivot to these virtual meetings where instead of doing it on Zoom or Teams or Google Meet or any of the other platforms, they needed the, um, the same kind of treatment and handholding that they get in, from a live event production company, but in the virtual space. Um, they needed downstage monitor feeds of their teleprompter. They needed teleprompter. You can't get teleprompter on a Zoom call. Uh, they needed graphic support, you know, current and next graphics and someone to cue their graphics and the speaker timer and all the things that you would get if you were live on stage, you're not getting in any of these, um, these meeting platforms or this one provide them. So we saw over the last two years, a lot of companies needing that type of service. And there was a lot of people that, you know, sprang into action to try to deliver stuff. Uh, equipment suppliers, you know, we've got all that stuff on the shelf because we used it when we were backstage. We can deploy it in our warehouse and create a, a virtual environment that way. And it worked to some degree, but it just wasn't, those weren't the right tools to execute. So, um, and that's really one of the things that I've kind of built my business on is finding the right tools and the right people and the right partners to do an event that uh, is right for the client. So you, you pivoted at the at the right time. OK, now we've come through the pandemic, as you mentioned, uh, post pandemic, maybe, maybe post pandemic. People are going back to live, which everyone's excited about. But uh, you and your company and partnering with uh, Signature Productions invested a lot of money into a, uh, what was it, 12,000 square foot production facility, 5,000 square foot of, of studios. You've got three broadcast studios. Why do you have the confidence now to, to continue with this virtual? Why, why, why don't you think it's going to just vanish tomorrow? Uh, there's a lot of different reasons. I think there's a lot of different indicators. Um, 
will another pandemic be right around the corner? We don't know. Um, the economy right now is contracting. So uh, what we've seen, what we've talked to a lot of people about is that there is a lot of appetite for these virtual meetings to continue. And the real challenge for the, the companies and the agencies that are being asked to produce these is how to keep their the end audience engaged in the virtual environment. And a lot of the ways you do that is to heighten the broadcast experience through what we've built here, through control rooms or having uh, a host or your executive team in our studio shooting on camera so that there's that live component, even though it's a virtual environment. Um, there's a lot of different levers in play right now. Um, everybody is going back live. I've been very, very busy with my live work, but I think that's a bit of a honeymoon. I think you'll see in the fall that a lot of companies and particularly procurement departments are going to dial back on the amount of live events because they were able to save so much money doing events virtually. But the people that are actually wanting to do the communication are going to want a heightened uh, experience that engages that at-home audience, which is much harder to do when you are in a virtual environment. Oh, no, absolutely. So tell me a little bit more about uh, the studio. I had a chance to, to visit you there and, and check it out. It's very impressive. Um, you have uh, four different ways that you can you can do this, because I, I believe if we start going back to virtual, it's going to be a choice, you know, whether it's cost or being able to bring in more audience. I mean, we're always you know, we're going to keep on going forward live. Everyone wants that. But virtual is going to going to be an option. So what are what are the four different uh, options that you have that you can provide at, at your studio? Sure. Um, so out of our control rooms, we have three control rooms. Um, we can curate any one of these types of events and, and we can actually probably do more than these four, but these are kind of the four basic ones, but uh, you have fully virtual where every presenter is coming into our control room from their home or from their office or for what, whatever remote location that they're at via uh, any of the typical uh, web conferencing apps, Zoom, Teams, whatever. Um, we bring them in individually. We treat them like they're a presenter on stage, like a, they have their own microphone and uh, they're not in a Zoom room with a bunch of other people. Um, and we break, stitch all of their different feeds together. We send those presenters exactly what they need to see and hear. Um, we give them a, a specialized um, audio return back to them so that there's no echo or delay. And it's very, very meticulously curated so that they get that onstage experience, even though they're at their home. That's a, a fully virtual event. And I guess one of the benefits, you know, Mark, is that uh, now, you know, we've moved past, hey, everyone's on a, uh, you know, is, is, is in their, you know, uh, their home, which you still can be, but there's a little bit uh, higher level of production value. It's what people are more used to seeing on their screens. I mean, that's what you're trying to create. Correct. Yep. Um, we would, you know, in those environments, we will have video playback. We'll have uh, graphics uh, that are supporting these presentations that we're able to create the windows the way we want those things to be seen, whether we're going to take those things full screen or do multiple boxes with different presenters and graphics. There's a lot of different ways we can slice up that content so that we stay engaged with the presenters. And we know, you know, we've, we all have in our industry, the people that we're bringing to bear in these, in these locations have a lot of 
uh, broadcast experience. So we know from a, from experience that the people at home watching on a small monitor, if you're taking graphics full screen and talking to graphics, it's a snooze fest. People are going to tune out. So creating a, uh, a very dynamic broadcast that has uh, a combination of the viewer or the speaker and that person's graphics and things of that nature where we can keep the uh, excitement up for that at-home audience is critical to uh, keeping an engaging event. Yeah, this I mean, this is next level, because as I said, you know, people have popped webcams in the back of the room and they said, hey, you know, watch this, which is you're actually producing, you know, basically a television broadcast at that point. Uh, how is the audience in? Because I think people are still trying to figure out this hybrid. And I think you guys cracked the code. Um, the audience is a, a studio audience in a sense. In a sense, uh, you're you've got your four camera shoot. Do you also bring in the audience into that broadcast that the people are watching? And how much interaction uh, do the people at home have during this experience? You know, because I'm sure it's on demand. You know, as well. There's really two schools of thought. One, the first school of thought is that you're doing a traditional meeting, and the primary audience is the live audience in the ballroom. And you're you're cutting a virtual show uh, unbeknownst to the live audience. The live audience is there and we're, we're basically curating a, a virtual show that's specific to the at home audience. The other school of thought is that, just like you said, in this in the one that we just finished in San Francisco was this way. This the audience in the room was a smaller audience and they, we told them up front, you're our live studio audience like we're shooting a Friends episode. Um, so, you know, when it's, when it's appropriate, cheer, hoot and holler, you might be on camera. Don't be looking at your phone. And, um, and we had studio lighting in there. It was much, very much like a television show. Cameras were much closer to the stage. Uh, you could actually, you know, we had a jib camera that was sweeping over the audience half the time. It, you wouldn't do that in a, in a big ballroom that was not doing a, a virtual component because it's distracting for the audience. But when the audience knows ahead of time and the sensibility is more geared, the priority is for the broadcast audience that live audience can tolerate. It's kind of, they suspend disbelief. Okay. I know I'm, I know that I'm the secondary audience in this situation. Primary audience is at home and they, they give you a lot of forgiveness on that. And it gives that at-home audience a much better experience if we're really tailoring it for them from a lighting perspective, camera positions perspective, sound perspective. All of those things make a big difference to that at-home audience. If, if the end client has those sensibilities that we want this to be a broadcast first and a live event second, I think that's I think that's great. Um, I as I said, I think people I, your your studios uh, your facility is called Signature Productions Southeast. You you're located in Atlanta. I think we're going to see a lot more of what you said these hybrids where we we're having we're getting people together, but we're broadcasting to a bigger audience. I also see people coming into your studio. Um, you know, with, with a host. You know, uh, you know I, I've hosted a lot of these studio events, and what's great is at least from my point of view, is I have uh, 
more interaction with the people because we're, we're live. So now we can do panels, we can have uh, discussions, conversations, uh, interviews. And once again, it becomes more of what the audience is, is used to, to seeing. So I think that that's great. So you've been, a, you know, as I said, you've been a, a technical director for years. And I noticed that um, things are starting to change in terms of, of, of cost out there. You had sort of alluded to it. You know, there's a tremendous increase in costs in now lighting, rigging, um, uh, food and beverage is, is going up, all the hotel expenses. Uh, you know, this is a stark reality that everyone's going to have to deal with. Um, how should event planners be prepared for this? And do you think it will affect their decision to do live events? Uh, I, you know, right now there's this, um, the, this honeymoon period of going back to live. And it seems like uh, there, there are definite still budget considerations. Um, you know, I, I'm fighting that with a lot of events where um, they have the same dollars that they had in 2019 and 2020, and they're just not going as far in 2022. And a lot of that has to do with flights and rigging costs, in-house rigging and power, uh, food and beverage, hotel rooms, everything's more expensive. The labor is more expensive and the hotels are unapologetic about it. They, you know, I had one producer tell me that the hotel that they were working with on another event coming up flat out told them we need to make back money that we lost over two years. So this is the price. Oh, wow. But I think, yeah, you're right. Everyone's trying to get back what they lost. Right. And, you know, in the virtual world, um, you know, what we're offering here isn't, isn't necessarily cheap. Um, it's not, is you know, it's not as cheap as doing a, a zoom broadcast, but we're giving you a much better experience and the, the at-home audience is going to get a much better experience. So if you don't want to spend the money on traveling, you know, your 1,000, 1,500 people getting your salespeople out of the field for a whole week, all the uh, um, hotel costs, food and beverage costs, and then all of the production costs that you're going to have in a ballroom that, that have gone up uh, a lot over the last two years, you can do a virtual show for a fraction of that price, um, still more than what you would have paid if you did it over Teams or Zooms, but um, you're going to have a much better ROI um, on the on the final product. I think you'll have much better feedback from your uh, teams if you do it in a way that's going to engage that home audience. How, how aware do you think people are at this point that there are these type of options like your facility and your studios? I mean, are they are they aware of it? Are they hearing it the first time? I mean, obviously they're they're in uh, you know they're different. You know, they talk to the the people around them. They're getting advice. They're getting uh, direction. But is this sort of common knowledge? Is this conventional wisdom at this point? Hey, let's let's do it a uh, high end. Let's do it. Let's do it right. I think there's a good amount of the actual production agencies that that we work with, uh, the creative agencies that do know about these solutions. There a lot of end clients that don't. Um, there's a lot of agencies that don't know about this that basically mothballed for two years and now they're thinking, okay, live events are back. And I think this would be something very valuable to add to their repertoire, even though it's not necessarily the most desirable thing that because they're so used to live events, the virtual is, you know, a paradigm shift for them that may be a stretch too far. I think the most successful agencies that I've seen have fully embraced the virtual 
component, the virtual and hybrid solutions, because they know that the procurement departments of their end clients are looking for these cost-saving solutions. And even their the clients in the C-suites are like, this is a great way to push communications in a quick, uh, affordable, and effective way. So I think the word is getting out there. I think there's some agencies and, and end clients that need to hear this news and, and, and go, oh, there's a better way to do it than the Teams meetings we've been doing internally, which I hate because half the time someone's camera's off or they're, they're muted or you know all the different technical difficulties that you have when you have non-technical people running a, uh, a meeting for you. So um, getting the word out is I think important because I think it's here to stay and doing it the right way really makes a big difference. Yeah, it's definitely a mind shift that I think everyone needs to go through now. I'm sure there's some event uh, professionals who might be listening to this and going, hey, we're, we're done with we're done with virtual. We're, let's just go back, uh, you know, live. But I think what the good news is, is there, there are people in place like yourself and companies like yours that have figured it all out. I think the, the, the fear and the reticence of, of going back to virtual is they're going back to 2020 when they first had to do it and they didn't know what they're, they're doing. It's now been, been solved for you. Uh, but let me ask you this. What about, you know, those people who say, uh, we're just not we're just not getting the same sort of ROI. We're not getting the same sort of connection out of these virtual events. How do we know they're even watching it? Do you have have you uh, experienced anything or spoken to people and going, uh, you know, or what feedback have you gotten that hey, this was our uh, the right move? If they have to go virtual, they want to hit a bigger audience. What would you say to someone who's considering it now and going, well, we're missing out a little on that human connection. How do you build that human connection, you know, in virtual? Um, there, I think there's tools that you can utilize in the virtual space. Um, I was just talking to someone about utilizing chat, uh, having Q&A, you know, having the ability for people to engage with the presenter. And it's difficult in virtual because there's a there's an inherent delay built into the broadcast, which is purposeful for error correction and redundancy. So the best examples of this being utilized correctly is you create a, a chat room in your uh, virtual player and people can ask their questions in chat. So that we put that chat window into a monitor for our presenter. So they see the questions coming up and they can answer them as they see them. So that delay doesn't seem, it doesn't appear to be as dramatic. Um, trying to do live questions is difficult because of the inherent delay built into, into the webcasting that we're doing. Um, there are other mechanisms to do Q and A, but that's a very, very good way to keep your audience engaged. And then they feel that it's not, pre-recorded. A lot of people think, well, if we're going to do virtual, let's pre-record it and we'll just stream it out. We can edit it and make it perfect and we'll just stream it out. <clears throat> if you don't have some kind of connection, the live people, <coughs> excuse me, they will, I think the audience sees through that. If it's so polished and it's so perfect and there's no live interaction, the audience will, will start to tune out. You know, having the ums and the butts and, oh, you know, can I go back a slide? Like that kind of uh, live, um, I wouldn't call them screw ups, but those, you know, those little things that 
show you that it's an actual live broadcast keeps people engaged. The funniest things on Saturday Night Live is when someone breaks. Why is that the funniest? Because it's live, you know. Um, every time Jim Jimmy Fallon would actually screw up a sketch on Saturday Night Live would always be the highest rated Saturday Night Lives because he broke and he broke on almost every sketch he was in. But what made that funny? Because it was live. So having that live component, having someone maybe miss a line or say, you know, have to go back, something like that, having that live Q&A, that's really the, I think, you know, the secret sauce in doing a virtual and having that engagement. You know, there are other things you can do. There are other um, mechanisms and metrics that you can have to monitor how many mouse clicks are. If someone's navigating away from the broadcast window, that feels a little too big brother to me, but they, they do exist. Um, I've looked at some of those analytics uh, and I've learned from them, you know, what I was saying earlier, when you take graphics full screen, people click away. So there's, there's things, there's learnings there that we, we know human nature is if something goes to a static, something on screen and you're watching a broadcast, they're going to tune out. Well, yeah, I'm, I mean, there are ways I think people have figured out ways if they, you know, cause occasionally you might not have a presenter, uh, present, so you can pre-record that. You can also record live to, you know, what we call used to call it live to tape, but live to digital, and uh, with all the screw ups, and then you know bring in people. So we focused a lot today on 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 virtual events, on on hybrid events. You know, I always talk to people about, okay, you, you know, everyone's shooting for a ten. What does a what does eleven look like in the virtual and hybrid world? What's your perfect uh, your perfect scenario? It's a perfect event everyone's out there cheering at the end. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, just like one other note on the pre-records, you kind of reminded me of one thing you can do, not saying that pre-records are a bad idea, but that live engagement is super important. You can pre-record a presentation, make it perfect. But then if we button, you know, put buttons on the top and bottom of that with a live host, like yourself, or we have that presenter come back and do a quick Q&A with the host or answer questions. So we can get their content, we can get their freight packaged exactly the way they want it, bring them back in the same wardrobe in the same studio live for Q&A or with an engagement or uh, or a one-on-one with another executive that's truly live. So you're getting the best of both worlds. We've we've packaged the freight exactly the way they want it, and then they can come back and inter- interact with the audience some other way. I think that's a great way to do it. Now to your next question, how do we make it an eleven? Um, I think that you know it's a combination of leveraging all the technology that we built here, the redundancies, the safeties, the backups. Um, you know, all of the network infrastructure that we put in place to maximize the the best way to execute this thing without any failures um, or monitoring all that stuff. So that, you know, would be the first part of it. The second part of it is engaging with agencies um, who with their creatives to deliver a really, really fun, exciting uh, meeting that has you know, unique elements, very creative elements. We're moving back and forth from pre-recorded to live to um, Q and A, unscripted things, and marrying both that technology and that creative into 
a broadcast that is executed perfectly, that's a that's an eleven to me. Yeah, I think that's what we want to see. You know, moving forward is, and I, you know, as I keep on reinforcing, it's it's about you know dealing with with experts, and and you don't have to figure it out any uh, anymore. So any of the event uh, professionals that are listening to right now, uh, studios like uh, Signature Production Southeast in Atlanta is a great resource. And Mark, thanks for uh, illuminating us on you know what's coming up next. We all want to go back to live, but we know virtual's here to stay. Virtual is going to be something that is going to be used probably to reach more people, and we'll still be coming together, but. We'll uh, we'll find ways to to connect uh, the audience at home with the uh, with the people in the uh, in the studio. So thanks yeah. again, Mark, for for joining us, and I uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate your time. That's it for now. I've been your host, Scott Bloom, corporate event MC and comedic keynote speaker. And of course, your connoisseur of connections. If you'd like more information, you can find me at scottbloomconnects.com. Or you can book me directly for your next event on eSpeakers Marketplace at eSpeakers.com forward slash marketplace. And if you like what you heard, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If you love what you heard, drop us a review and don't forget to share with your friends. For show transcripts and show notes with resources to help you get even more out of the show, visit nomorebadevents.com. No More Bad Events is produced and presented by eSpeakers, and we're grateful to our sponsor, Impact 11, for helping us make our show possible. Thanks for listening. Now go out and make your event a good one.